You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Um, fun fact over full moon weekend, I had seven births this weekend. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's real. The myth is real. That's crazy. The myth is real. Hello, villagers. Happy Tuesday. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some of your Tuesday with me. You're listening to another episode of the Tranquility Tribe podcast, episode number 30. I'm so excited you're here. Today, I'm sitting down with a midwife to hash out all of your burning questions. Hannah Proctor is a midwife in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hannah and I were actually in the same sorority at Mississippi State University, and I've really enjoyed following her on social media as she has become a midwife. She grew up in Nashville, and she studied midwifery at Vanderbilt graduated in 2016 and has been midwifing it up ever since. I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. We just chatted for much longer than what I thought we might before the show started. We chatted for 40 minutes and I said, yeah, we'll hop on for quite 10 minutes. I'm really excited to share all of her knowledge um, and, and a little deeper look into midwifery care for expectant parents. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, everyone. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to share everything that you have um, as well. So I guess to kick things off, can you kind of tell us uh, the difference between OBGYN and midwifery care? Because we hear so much talk about, you know, the midwifery model of care and for our listeners, like putting that in air quotes, like, you know, the midwifery model of care, that's what I choose. Or have you heard about it? Or... What does that really mean? What is the midwifery model of care versus OBGYN care? So, um, and just disclosure, I think um, my approach is going to be specifically certified nurse midwife, with, which I do think encompasses full midwifery care for all different types of midwives, but just to explain my personal background as a certified nurse midwife. Um, the midwife model of care is going to be an individualized approach where it's basically treating the woman as an entire person, not just that person that's in that exam room or just that person that's pregnant. Seeing her as a full person who has hobbies and family and kind of meeting her where she is in life at that moment and respecting her as a whole person. So that's going to be approaching her and her care as a partner. She's going to meet us in the middle where I'm not telling her what to do as a provider, but more I'm going to be giving her information and options, and she's going to be giving me her feedback and her experience, you know, in that pregnancy or in that exam room talking about birth control, whatever it is that we're going to be talking about that day. I love it. Um, something that's really important to me is, is meeting them where they are, and kind of organically I have attracted um, – Birthing parents who either are, are, are feeling very anxious, either are naturally an anxious person or um, definitely, you know, pregnancy can bring on 
anxiety, like, like nobody's business and anxiety that kind of you didn't see coming. Um, so that's, that's one, but then also traumatic births. And so I think that leaves you in a very, it leaves you in a place that a, you've never been before. B, you'll never be back there before once you leave there. And C, nobody will ever be in that exact same spot because birth trauma is very specific. It, um, you know, you can have several traumatic births and they're all, all very different. So organically, I've kind of, I've kind of become this, I don't know, this doula that, that works with people who are anxious, but also um, maybe struggling with a, a traumatic birth. And so it's really important to me to meet them where they are as well. Yeah. yeah I feel really passionate about working with women who have had previous traumatic experience yeah, in the birth environment. Because I think that you have an opportunity to re-empower them. Mm-hmm. And basically it's about respecting their narrative for me. And in a midwifery environment, you really do work hard to know their story and respect that and keep that in mind as you're making decisions with them at each visit and then in the birth setting. So yeah, I love, love that opportunity and privilege to be able to kind of figure out what experience a woman had and how we can provide her with a different narrative this time. It's really empowering to, um, I'm sure you see this, to see them kind of transform that growth period of kind of like where they started when you first met to like where they are maybe six weeks postpartum after they have their baby. Yeah, that is so I get to see them a little bit in between that, but, but six weeks after, you know, it, it, wow, sometimes you look back and that alone makes me cry and just tug so much on my heartstrings to see I don't know. It's like a human kind of blossoming as a flower. It's really awesome. <laughs> it is. I just had um, a few weeks ago, it was a VBAC um, who was able to have a successful VBAC after two cesareans. And she just did so beautifully. And I was so impressed with her. And I got to round on her the next day. It was, it was a hospital birth. And she just kind of looked at me and she was like, I can't. I still can't really believe I did it. I did it. And I was like, you did it. It was just, you know, it's an it's just a privilege to be able to be, have this kind of small part in this woman's story. It really is incredible. And there are those, there are those stories that are like, they have that extra oomph of empowerment and it is stories like that. Like feedback stories are just really amazing. Those are, those are really cool births. For women, you know, I think it's about, so let's say a woman had a really negative experience with an induction and you know her main goal and her birth plan for this pregnancy she does not want to be induced and sometimes unfortunately there are scenarios where that woman is put in a situation where induction is necessary you know tr- truly i'm talking medically yeah. necessary yeah and it's about really respecting the fact that this is not her plan and really giving her informed options giving her time um, if that's if that's okay to give her, depending on what we're dealing with. But yeah, I think just it's all individual. It's about midwifery is so much about not putting a woman in a box and saying, oh, she's pregnant with high blood pressure. No, I mean, there's more than that. It's going to depend on her body, her experience, her baby, you know, her partner. It's all a picture that is going to be different per woman. Yeah, I think I think a huge part of, of having to to, you know, gosh, see someone be in that position. And, and I've seen it a lot, um, you know, and it's especially, especially kind of prickly if they are that, 
be that mom or that twin mom or that one of those, mm-hmm. those stories that, you know, has that extra factor kind of to it. But I think if you find yourself with a, a birthing parent who is in a position that they never wanted to be in and, and they didn't ever see themselves kind of in it, but it really yeah. is maybe the safest place. It's all about recognizing that, acknowledging what they're feeling validating what they're feeling and then giving them a safe space to express that however they want if they want to cry let them cry I'll cry with you if you need to scream and stomp let's stomp honestly it may help your labor like stomp away let's go stomp <laughs> yeah, and don't you know like get angry too. or if you want to just like lay in the bed and be silent for a bit I can go take a walk I'd love to run home and take a shower and come back in 45 minutes you know like you let me know what you need to cope and, and I'll build that space for you. I'm like a little, a carpenter, like a little labor room carpenter. Yeah. I'll build that space so that you can feel safe and, and free to kind of express how you want. Cause that does suck. It sucks to be um, told that it's, it's the safest thing right now is to have something done that you ultimately don't really want done to your body, you know, and your baby. Right. And I think that, you know, providing, providing an environment where just like you were saying, where, you know, a woman feels heard. I mean, she deserves to feel heard, even if the situation is, you know, if I'm required to give her a recommendation that is not what she wants, but I just know it's the safest recommendation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't change the fact that it's so difficult for her and she deserves to feel that way. You know, I just think that alone, I, I hope is a different experience for a woman who instead may just feel like she's just being told what to do, which I think is sometimes what women feel has happened to them. Whether the provider had good intentions or not, that's just how they felt. And that's a really, really disempowering feeling. Absolutely. I think being a provider um, to humans, being in the human service industry in general, but especially in healthcare as a provider, I mean, and this is true for um, whether you're like a medical provider or not. So like this goes for doulas and, um, you know, postpartum doulas, anybody who's not medical per se, but is on your birth team, whether that be your lactation consultant. Yeah, absolutely. You know, anybody, your pelvic floor therapist, like anybody, everybody has, you know, everybody has a different, um, I like to call it a plug-in. Like there's a different way to get to everybody. You can plug into everybody, but it might be a different plugin you kind of have to know how to read that person and that's important and for me that is a huge piece that is um differentiating from midwifery care to OBGYN care mm-hmm. is that for OBGYN care they're awesome they really are they're they're so knowledgeable and they are needed and I love OBGYNs but if you are looking um for care that is a little bit slower your midwife is going to, you know, have some time to spend with you. And, and you mentioned this briefly, you guys get to know your clients. Shoot, you get to know me and I'm only there for the birth. Like I walk away and I feel like, oh my gosh, hi, I know them. Now I would say hi to them if I was ever passing them on the street, in the elevator with them, saw them in, you know, Macy's or whatever. Right. And I think a big, a big difference just philosophically between the two is that midwifery approaches uh, pregnancy, labor, and birth as a very natural phenomenon. Yes, there are things that can occur that are abnormal or even unsafe, but it's still something that your body is able to do, capable of doing, and it's a very normal thing. It's not a diagnosis. And so I think that that is a difference in 
just an education and foundation between an OBGYN and a midwife. And also midwives tend to hopefully be through present throughout the whole labor, which is not traditionally what an OBGYN will do. And then sometimes you'll have an OBGYN who does take that approach. That's just their style. And then you have a nurse midwife or a midwife who, who may not do that. I mean, it's always going to be, you would hope that every midwife would follow that philosophy, but I just think that comes down to a woman, yeah, knowing her provider and feeling really, really comfortable. And a lot of women are going to feel more empowered and more comfortable with a midwife. That's just the case. And the women who feel more empowered and comfortable with a physician, great. But that choice alone is such an empowering point in a woman's care. It really is. I just think, um, you know, I, I don't even have any opinion on whether you know, people would have, would be more comfortable with midwives or OBGYN. I just want you to know they're both an option. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. That's you know, exactly how I don't yeah. actually really care what you choose. I want you to choose what you're comfortable with because that will affect, essentially it will affect the birth. And so since that is, since that is kind of like my niche and my little nest and I go in there and I, I really feel you know, protective over this laboring room, I want you to have intentionally put together your birth team because whenever all of your birth team comes into my nest, I want to be able to welcome them with open arms and not, not have to feel like I have to be protective in my own. I feel so protective over the birth room. Right. <laughs> I really do. Like I just, especially because I'm in a hospital environment, I feel like I feel so protective over making that room, her room as much as possible. I'm like, bring electric candles, bring music, yes. anything you can to make it feel that you're not in a foreign place and as much as possible. And just really trying to keep people out that are going to create a noise and things you like don't that. Don't be worried about what you do in your birth. And that's why it's yeah, exactly. That's also totally, an intimate yeah. group. Not a lot of people know. Nobody's going to tell. Do what you need to do to get this baby out. That is our goal here, right? Yeah, and you don't, like, I just tell women, you know, you don't have to wear the hospital gown. Oh, yeah. Bring your own clothes, you know, as long as, you know, it's going to be comfortable for you and and capable of giving birth, and then you should, you know, do it. You have so, way. so, so many choices in birth. Um, yeah. That, that is something that I, I, I probably have that conversation with every single person that ever encounters me. It's like, you have choices in birth and people are like, I am not even ready to have children. I'm like, yeah, but when you do, you have choices in birth. And they're like, what? I'm a freshman in college. I'm like, but you have choices in birth when you get Feel empowered. Feel empowered now. Last year, you have choices in birth when you get there, right? Honestly though, but even, I think it starts before pregnancy because gynecological visits give women so much anxiety. I mean, and why wouldn't they? It's, it's an invasive visit. You know, an annual can be a very invasive visit. And whether someone has a traumatic history or not, women can feel extremely uncomfortable. And so, you know, I, in terms of certified nurse midwives and certified midwives, we provide gynecological care. You know, I do annual exams every day. And I love the chance to work with a, a young teenager whose periods are just ruining her life. Like, well, I hate that for her, but I love getting to talk with her and be like, right. here's her options. Here's what we can do. Yeah. You know, it, that empowerment starts even before pregnancy where a woman can feel safe, you know, in that environment that's so vulnerable. So it's just, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege to create a safe space 
It's, it really is. I always feel mm-hmm. so corny in emails when I say things like, I'm so honored to be on this path for you. That seems so corny, right? It sounds so corny, but then there's no other, like, I really am honored. It truly is. You, you could choose any other human on earth to be with you in your birth and you chose me. Yeah. That, whoa. Like that, I don't even have words to say thank you for that. You know, like for me, it really is such an honor. Mm -hmm. So I like, um, I like how we kind of have segued into the differences between the midwives. Can you explain the difference between a CPM and a CNM? I can. um, So there's different types of education and there's different scope of practice. And there's also a difference in um, basically rights to practice depending on the state. So I, Certified nurse midwives or CNMs, it's a mouthful. They're licensed to practice in all 50 states. Um, CPMs, I I can't remember which states they're allowed to practice in, but it's still quite a few, it's just not all 50. And in terms of scope of practice, a CNM and a CM, so that's certified nurse midwife and certified midwife, they basically encompass a full range of primary healthcare services. So starting from puberty to menopause, like I kind of mentioned, um, we can do like preconception care, care during pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum period. And then we actually also are qualified to care for newborns for the first 28 days of life, depending on the setting of where the midwife is practicing that may or may not come into play. But we do primary care as well, family planning, and we're even um, actually able to treat partners of our patients if there's a sexually transmitted infection that the woman's been diagnosed with, we are able to prescribe medications for the partner. So prescription rights, things like that. Um, We admit, manage discharge patients in the hospital. We order labs and diagnostic tests. So very similar in terms of if you were watching me work in the hospital setting, you may not know the difference between me and a physician just watching me in that environment. But then for a certified professional midwife, more often you're, you're going to see them out of a hospital environment and they are, they're going to be giving expert care, education, counseling, support for women around pregnancy. So prenatal, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, um, they give continuous hands-on care during labor birth. And I mean, they're really, really qualified. They have different education though. They do not, so a certified nurse midwife is going to have an advanced graduate degree, like a master's or a PhD or a doctorate. And then a CPM is going to earn her qualifications typically through apprenticeship um, and doesn't have a nursing foundation. So a CPM can gain her credentials, but can have a high school degree, but she's gone through the apprenticeships and, and met the qualifications in terms of birth attendance and such. And can she work in a hospital? Uh, there are some, I don't know of any, but I do know there are some CPMs who do have hospital privileges. Wow. Um, but more than often, they're going to be an out of hospital environment, such as a birth center or a home birth. And then the vast majority of certified nurse midwives, CNMs, are going to be in a hospital-based setting. So I, I'm in a hospital-based practice where I work in a clinic and see all of my wonderful ladies and their families in a clinic. And then when they give birth, I go to the hospital to attend their births. Cool. So um, what kind of, speaking of, of your patients, what kind of women will seek out midwifery care versus mm-hmm. OB care in the hospital? Um, so mm-hmm. if you're, if you're certain you want your baby in the hospital and you've already ruled out um, 
a birthing center and home birth and you want to be in the hospital, but now you're torn between midwifery care and OBGYN, someone were thinking about which route were best for them, what would you tell them about considering? What are some things to say, you know, think about this? Mm -hmm. I think women who do want more one-on-one time with their provider and women who desire natural labor and really attentive natural labor support, I do think they tend to seek out midwives because they are aware through research or through a friend who's been able to have a midwife as a provider, they know that we're going to do as little intervention as possible and give a lot of time safely for labor progression and basically just treat labor as natural as possible within, you know, safety standards. So I think women who are aware of that, they really feel comfortable with midwifery care and that's what they seek. And um, yeah. Yeah. And it takes me back to the the saying that birth is not an illness, right? Um, I actually am on the lookout for a shirt that says birth is not an illness. So if any of our listeners out there know where I can get one, please send me an email. Let me know. Um, but right. It it goes back to the whole birth is not an illness. You're you're not sick. Like you're growing another human. You're working hard. Like your body's changing. Absolutely. You need to be monitored by someone who is educated in the medical field, but you're not sick. Don't act like you're sick. Don't, don't take on this mindset that you're sick. You are healthy as a horse. Matter of fact, you might be healthier than your average person because you are sustaining life for two humans. Like that's being pregnant. You're you're healthy (laughs) most of the time. Yeah. And and that's very true. And I think, I, I, yeah, I think treating women as, and their pregnancy is yes, no, pregnancy is not always safe. That's true, but it is still normal and very natural. Mm -hmm. And so finding that balance and yes, it's really important as a, you know, a, a medical professional to be ready for the abnormal and to anticipate it within reason, but otherwise don't treat her like she's going to be an abnormal case, you know, and be attentive, but don't treat her like a diagnosis. For sure. Like you, you know, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just like Ina May says, your body was, was made for this. So for the most part, you should trust that your, your body is made for this. And by for the most part, I mean, like, Trust until someone says, oh, we should look into this. And then even still, you can say like, okay, what can we do to get my body back on track? You don't have to jump to medical conclusions if that is not something you're very comfortable with. You know, you have options. And a lot of women um, will come in and assume that because they're seeing me, they have to go natural. Um, That's not true. We are more than happy to support you in getting an epidural if that's in your birth plan. You know, some women who've had traumatic pasts know that they want an epidural. Some women who haven't had traumatic pasts know they want an epidural, but they still want that midwifery model of care. And that is, that just goes back to that individualized approach. You know, I'm there to give you safe options. I'm not there to tell you what's right and wrong. That would be against my philosophy to tell you that there's only one way one right way to give birth. That's not true. There's one right way for you. And that's what I care about. What's right for you. I love that it's against your philosophy uh, because it's not the truth, right? Like (laughs) I feel like that should be against everyone's philosophy because it's just not true. So can you describe a little bit and maybe there's, maybe there's not too much of a difference. Um, but someone who might be considering, so now this person has said, definitely I'm on the midwife train, home birth, or birth center, what are those people considering when making that choice? Well, I think 
you know, that's, and that's something I'm a little bit less informed on just because I have only worked in a hospital-based setting. But from what I know, I think a birth center is a great option if a woman still wants to be, you know, in a setting that's going to have, well, you know, I honestly don't know if I can speak on that to be totally fair, just because I think, I know for for a home birth woman or a birth, birth center woman giving birth there, I think they're going to have to be low risk. You know, there's there's high blood pressure, things that are going to require more fine-tuned monitoring of both her and the baby. Um, I would consider that to not be, you know, an appropriate candidate, but, but that's just, you know, I don't know. I can't really, to be honest, I can't really speak on home birth and and birth center comparison because I know very little about it, to be frank. Yeah. And they're all so different. So in the hospital, what are some of the reasons that you may risk someone out of your midwifery care and say you actually need to be cared for by, by an OBGYN? Yeah. And that actually is a great kind of also point that I didn't mention earlier that's between an OB-GYN and a midwife, you know, midwives are specialized in working with overall low risk women. Um, and an OB-GYN is usually going to be caring for a woman who is higher risk. So what is higher risk? Well, that can vary. You know, I think severe preeclampsia is a good example of a woman who would be better cared for with an OB-GYN, particularly if that severe preeclampsia is preterm. Um, I have cared for women who are severe preeclamptic and who were meeting the, you know, their gestation was able to, they were able to give birth at the hospital that I work at. So I have cared for women with severe preeclampsia, but I'm consulting very closely with the OB-GYN there. And then, you know, another reason, for example, would be like type 1 diabetes, so childhood diabetes. That's a good example of someone who tends to risk out of midwifery care. But then again, it's individualized. So I've worked with a woman with type 1 diabetes and attended her birth, but she was also seeing maternal fetal medicine specialists weekly throughout her pregnancy. We were consulting very closely with each week and each visit, keeping each other, each other in touch. And then I was also keeping the OB-GYN updated really closely when she went into labor and during her prenatal visits. So it's really going to be... Um, you know, different between settings, but if you are in some what way, you know, moving out of that normal category, that's okay, but you are going to probably require some consultation or some care from an OB-GYN physician. Right, and it's it's really nice when um, kind of all of your specialists work together. That was, uh, that's a really cool kind of example that your midwife, your OB and your MFM all work together on the same team to give you the care that you deserve and you've chosen. So you haven't chosen to go the OB route, but that person is still in on your care and kind of knows what's going on, but you've chosen the midwife and that person is leading your case, you know, she's your, she's your, your go-to person. She's giving you all your care um, with just the support of, of the other two. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love that. I, I love, love getting to, I mean, I'm really fortunate where the physicians that I do work with, I feel so supported by them, you know, cause I am, I am new. I'm out in my first year of practice. So I feel so supported by them. I feel so supported by the midwives that I work with and I, love working with the um, maternal fetal medicine specialist at another hospital that we do consult with. I mean, it's just, it is such a great feeling to feel like a woman is getting this kind of team-based care because, I mean, evidence suggests that team-based care is going to yield the best results. So it's just, it's a 
privilege again to be able to be a part of it. Really is. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> talking about the evidence and the science, can you can you quickly give us a rundown of some of the benefits of choosing um, kind of midwifery model of care versus the OBGYN care if you are an appropriate standard, um, you know, patient if you if you have that standard pregnancy and you are a candidate for that type of care. Yeah. And, and the beautiful thing about that is that most women are, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> That's the thing about, and I understand that, you know, we are, we do live in a country where we have women with different conditions like yeah. obesity, things like that. But even still, um, most women are wonderful candidates for midwifery care. And it, it puts an ob in a position where they can give further attention to women who are really high risk. So it's just a, it's really a great balance that I think that hopefully we'll move more towards that. Um, as the years go on. But it being with a nurse midwife or with a midwife, evidence has suggested a really array of positive things, decreased risk of needing a cesarean, reduced rates of labor, induction and augmentation, um, decreased risk of third and fourth degree perineal tears, lower cost, you know, for both the clients and the insurers, and then just um, increased chances of having like a positive start at breastfeeding, probably because we are pretty on board with skin to skin immediately after. Um, And yeah, and just increased satisfaction with quality of care for a lot of women have reported that. And that's probably just going back to that one-on-one individualized, you know, spending a lot of time with them as much as possible, which some, depending on the practice, you know, an OB-GYN just may not have the opportunity or it's a different foundation. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's, that's what evidence has suggested. Yeah, that overall satisfaction, the higher quality um, of, of like, I had a really awesome birth experience, that, that's the kicker for me. And that's like actually enough for me is for someone to walk away and say like, my birth was awesome no matter how that turned out. That, that does it for me. I, um, yeah, I also feel like if most women would see midwives I think overall right there, that, that single shift would, would increase people's, um, kind of happiness and their overall feelings about, um, female care in general, but then it would also, like you said, open up our, our specialists. So OBs are specialists. That's the thing. So the only difference between your OB and your midwife is that your OB can, can do surgery. Your OBGYN is a surgeon. And so for me, that person is a specialist. And if you don't need to have a specialist in your back pocket, why do you, when you have, when you you have midwives, I can give you the care. And if you were to need a specialist, if you were to need a surgeon, they'll help you find one or you can find one, you know, there, there, you have access to these surgeons, but they are essentially, um, specialists. So yeah, I can, I completely agree about that shift of, um, I hope that's kind of where, our overall model of care of, of, of um, just women's health in general kind of shifts. To yeah, that. I mean, it would be a great shift. I think a good example of that would be New Mexico. Um, they do have one of the highest, I believe, poverty rates in the United States, but they also utilize midwives more than any other state in the country. One out of three births is attended by a midwife in New Mexico, and they also have the lowest cesarean rate in the whole country. Wow. You know, which, yes, that's a cost, you know, saver, but also that's wonderful for women. So I think a lot of times people 
kind of put midwives in a certain box that they're only good for one thing in one way, but it's really a huge picture case that for everyone involved, the OB-GYNs, the women, you know, money. I mean, it's all just. Yeah, there's so many factors, right? There's, There's a lot that goes into it that I just think that if we did utilize midwives more and people felt informed on our qualifications, the culture of it was just a little bit more informed. I think that it would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, I think that your birth is so much connected to, um, who you are as a parent. And I think that the way that your baby is brought into this world and whether you feel like you were informed and you were in control and you were, um, you know, you helped make decisions, you were involved, you were kept up to date, that affects who you are as a parent. And so I think not only does this have a a great thing for moms, but it has a great thing for, for babies too. Like we're, we're really bringing these kids into an awesome situation and really setting their family up for success by giving them this really awesome, um, this birth experience. Mm -hmm. So my next question for you, um, is do you, do you attend what's considered like complicated births, twins or breech births, uh, VBACs? So in terms of breech, um, the current recommendation in the United States right now is that a woman who is breech is an automatic cesarean. That's standard of care in, according to ACOG and then ACNM, which is the American College of Nurses Midwives. But we are still trained in school to attend breech births because sometimes it's just inevitable so you we are trained it's a surprise too like whoops we exactly. that's what I mean. yeah. it was a breach right exactly exactly so we're still trained in that yeah um but no i don't attend breach births intentionally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i do attend vbacs and okay. i'm so grateful to have the opportunity to do that our that's hospital awesome. policy the one that i work at is that a physician must be in house when the woman is six centimeters or more which means she's in active labor mm-hmm. um but uh 95 percent of the time that i've had the privilege of attending a vbacs birth the physician just stays in the call room so you know yes i attend vbacs what was another one that you asked twins. about twins yes i do um attend twin birth which so grateful to do, but it is a little bit special in a hospital setting where we, the midwife, so let's say the mother of twins is a midwife patient. So she's been seeing myself or my three midwife colleagues the whole pregnancy. When she goes into labor, the physician is present. She actually gives birth in the operating room, but we, we attend the birth as normal. And if twin B if you know if the rule is a twin a is vertex head down then we should attempt a vaginal birth that is the recommendation so assuming twin a is head down have the opportunity to attend that birth of twin a and then what the physician will do is make sure that twin b is also head down um and if twin b isn't i think he can either I think then that's the point where we move towards a cesarean for twin B in the operating room. Or in my case, the twin deliveries or births I've been able to attend, both babies have been head down. I've been able to, you know, be there, which is, it's so special. I absolutely, it's been some of my favorite memories, um, being able to be there for those babies. But yeah, are there any other examples you had questions about? No, and now my brain is like running with all the twins and I love twins. Oh my goodness. I love Yeah. Twins are so so special. Yeah. So that's a good example of a hospital environment where 
you know, for a woman wanting low intervention, it may be frustrating to be in that sort of setting. But I have found that I uh, thankfully have had good trust and good rapport and longstanding relationships with those mothers. So though, yes, they were in an operating room, they were able to give vaginal birth to both of their babies. And it was her and I, you know, there were other people in the room, but we had this great support to get, I was supporting her, talking her through it. So she still had that birth experience. And actually, um, if I remember correctly, both of the examples I'm thinking of right now, women, the women were going natural. So they still were going natural, you know, so it's, it's very possible. (laughs) That is so amazing. Um, I love, I love that, um, you know, you made kind of an accommodation that was a halfway point. So you're in, in the the OR, so that that had to happen, but it didn't mean that she had to be having surgery. She could labor in right. there. She just needed her in the vicinity. I absolutely love that. That makes me um, it makes me have so much hope in in humanity that we're we're making this shift, you know. And I think eventually we will probably see like we don't have to be in the OR. There's time to get her down there, maybe. Um, so yeah, I love it. I love this shift. So. Um, the last thing I want to touch on is, and it's something I really just don't know that much about, um, and I, I love to get different perspectives, and I will continue to ask the other midwives that I have on the show um, so that we can get lots of people's perspectives, but can you talk to us a little bit about the legislation that is currently happening in the midwifery scene? It is, um, for our listeners who are like, what? What's happening? Something about... Um, regulations of, of how you're trained and who's qualified and where you can practice. But one side of the story is that it takes away, um, you know, women's, women's choice. And I totally hear that side. But then one of the sides is that, um, you know, we want everybody to have this standard of education, duh. And I totally hear that side too. So what's your perspective also slash, can you explain it to us? So it's, it's, um, pretty complicated. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to depend on, it's very state to state. Okay. And in terms of the independence of the midwife, her himself, uh, side point, there are male right. midwives. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on the state. It, um, are we talking about a CPM, a CNM, or a CM? That changes things up too. So, you know, because depending on the state, a certified nurse midwife may or may not have prescriptive authority. The state I practice in, we do have prescriptive authority. Um, But also in the state of Tennessee, you have to have a physician signing off on everything that you do. So while I have a close relationship with the physician that I work with and I feel very independent, when I look over an ultrasound report, I can sign it, but ultimately the physician has to sign it as well. So, you know, that's a good example of that and then there's certain states where certified nurse midwives have more independence and that's not required. So I think now in terms of like home birth, where home birth is legal, again, I don't know a lot about that, but I think that certified professional midwives are working to get, you know, people more informed on that being a legal option depending on the state and on their legal qualifications that they are legal to do so with certain training. And I just think in general, we're attempting to get the states as a whole um, to move forward with more independence for certified nurse midwives, certified midwives and CPMs. So people can understand that, yes, we're qualified, we're safe, and that women 
deserve to have these options. So it can be really frustrating, you know, if a woman feels like she's in a state where she wants to see a midwife for her birth, but that's not an option for her. Now, again, for a CNM, they're qualified to practice in all 50 states, but if she, if she wanted a home birth um, and she was a great candidate for one and there, you know, that's not legal. I think that there are CPMs that are pushing for that change. And I know also, I think we're working on, I, I don't know the details, but um, I know that people are working on sort of unifying and clarifying the differences between CPMs, CNMs, and CMs, figuring out how to create more continuity so that it is more clear for women and their families when they are making decisions. Because right now it's really confusing for people to understand the differences, to you know, to understand well, where what sort of midwife would I see in a home birth? What sort of midwife would I see in a hospital? What's the difference between them? What's the difference between a certified nurse midwife and a physician? And I know we've been talking about all that, but I think because legally it's so different between states that there's a lot of blurred lines and confusion for people. So I think I know ACNM is a huge proponent for increasing awareness and for pushing for more independence for um, midwives in the United States. And for our listeners out there, the ACNM is American College of Nurse Midwives, mm -hmm. um, and they they kind of govern the midwives, right? They, um, they yes, they're, 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 are, they're not our accrediting body, right. um, but they are our, you know, they provide, it. actually, it would be, if you're interested at all in learning a lot about midwives, um, I would go to their website. They are wonderful. American College of Nurse Midwives. I think you can type in midwife.org or acnm.org. Cool. I'll link that to the show notes for everybody. That um, Yeah, also I did mention ACOG earlier. That's the yep. American Congress of um, Obstetricians Gynecologists. Should have clarified that. I um, I think I might have talked about ACOG before. Sorry. Okay. It's possible that they are savvy <laughs> on their ACOG knowledge. Yeah. Um, this is this is awesome information. Thank you so much. I I'm thrilled to um, be able to learn a little bit more about the differences in the midwives, and I think it's true. You you kind of hit the nail on the head that it's very confusing for people. So I think people, even if you're in the birth world and you're not necessarily connected directly to to midwives, or you're not, um, you know, a midwife it's confusing to you. Um, so even other people in the birth world, like you said earlier, like lactation people and pelvic floor people. And, and, and I mean, sometimes even OBGYNs, they don't know necessarily the difference, right? Oh, it's so confusing. I will even see, I've seen couples, you know, a woman throughout her pregnancy and prenatal appointments. And then in the hospital, they'll be like, wait, are you delivering the baby? And I'm like, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, I think, I think people just have preconceived notions about a midwife and they see it as very limited. And so, yeah, it's great if you can get that experience and learn through experience what we are able to do. But I do hope that things like your wonderful podcast and other things can get, get the information out there again, just for options. Options are empowering. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the end goal here, right? That's why I started this whole podcast is ultimately, um, you know, I don't really care what you choose. I just want you to choose what you think is best for you because you knew the options. So it really pains me and, and I see it 
gosh, all the time um, where people make decisions because they think that's their only option. And it literally guts me. It takes all of my willpower not to reach out to that person and say, stop, let me educate you. Oh my goodness. Can you just send me your email and I will flood you with so much information. This is not your only choice. Um, but I don't, it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so like hard. anonymously contact everyone. Like, yes. Here are your options. <laughs> from your birth angel you just drop things yeah. in your inbox like a little sprinkle of glitter a little education <laughs> glitter in your inbox yeah no I um I just yeah that's the ultimate goal right I just want you to make your choices um based on what's best for you and your family and, and informed decisions I think lead to informed consent which is I mean, that's one of my very, my very core beliefs. Um, yeah, that is the core. That's the, the core of an empowered experience. I mean, that's that first step, like we said, is choosing someone that you feel comfortable with. And, and I think, yeah, if you only think you have one option, then that in itself is not as empowering as... Well, to- yeah, it rips all of your control yeah. out, right? Like, yeah, you don't exactly. have any control because you don't have any choices. That's exactly, so yeah. And, like, like, women who choose a hospital birth for themselves, they, you know, I think it's empowering to be like, you know, you don't have to be laying down in the yep. bed when you give yep. birth. You know, you can listen to your body. And so, yeah, there's so many approaches. It's, again, it's individualized and it's a privilege and... I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Me too. Birth work really is the best. It um yeah, it I've never in my life felt so so fulfilled as I do now. Um I just I wake up every single day excited. I I go to bed every single night kind of ready for the next day. Like I love sleep. Yeah, so I much. I'm such a sleeper, you know. I I love sleep. I I will nap any day of the week, but I almost go to bed and be like, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow because there's always a, like, I can't wait for tomorrow because, um, on the nights before. So it's awesome. Yeah. Birth work is the best. Hannah, I want to thank you so, so much for coming on the show. This was so powerful for me. I learned so much. I hope that our listeners learned so, so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I just would love to talk about this anytime. Anytime you want to talk about this, I will talk about all this stuff. It's my favorite. Anybody, anywhere, (laughs) anytime. Yeah. If you have more questions um, about anything that we talked about or you have something specifically for Hannah, you can reach out to me at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. We're happy to chat and I would love to discuss your birth options with you. As always, listeners, Find your village and love them hard. (laughs) Did you know that you can join our online tribe? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.